Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the latest Shiny Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Spector. Um, thanks for joining us. As usual with me today is uh, Rob Hirschfeld down in Austin. Good day to you, Mr. Rob. Hello, Stephen. And uh, I'm very excited. We have a longtime friend of uh, the show, f- a friend of both of ours as well. And uh, f- because this will get released later, we're in the middle of the uh, Shram, is it called the Seattle Snowpocalypse? Does Seattle have its own name? <laughs> uh, yeah, the Snowpocalypse or uh, Snowmageddon, or however you want to call that, yeah. So, coming from us, buried in with so much snow he can't get out, is uh, the infamous Cloud Don, Shram, several months. So, Shram, uh, thanks for joining us today. And if you can just, before we get started, maybe give a quick overview about yourself and then We'll jump in because we have a lot of topics to sure, cover. And thank you. Thank you for having me, Stephen. And thank you, Rob. It's awesome. Uh, my name is Sri Ram Subramanian. I'm a founder and principal at Cloud Dawn, an independent advisory firm that, uh, in, in general, enabling customers and users with, uh, with their digital transformation journey. My primary AF coverage is how cloud and container technologies, they have impacted this so-called digital transformation. It's about me. And uh, we've been... Stephen and Rob and myself, we have been involved in this open source communities for a long time, open source and Kubernetes, and our associations continues. So, sure, thank you. Uh, yeah, you and I go way back um, in the OpenStack days, uh, and we have, we have a ton to talk about. You, you and I met last at AWS reInvent, and you had just come out of KubeCon, something I missed. I, you, can we just start with a catch up? Where, wh- what? What lasting impressions do you have a couple months after those events about what, what's coming for 2019? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, it's been a while. <clears throat> so some of the impressions are, you know, out of KubeCon, is Kubernetes ready for enterprises? Is customers ready for enterprises? Some, uh, I, I could relate back to some of the conversations uh, back in the OpenStack Summit days, Circa, Havana, and post that. You know, infrastructure is ready. What kind of workloads that I need to run? What is most suitable for this? Or rather, what kind of workloads is Kubernetes more suitable for? Can I run this? Can I run that? And and day two challenges, right? Uh, deployment, day zero, day one, they were all taken care of. How do I have this running? And then uh, what are the challenges that I need to, um, I'm facing? How do I overcome that? And what kind of workloads? So that's kind of what I was uh, seeing that conversation that kind of also shows where the maturity of that particular uh, product is or in, in, in general any any product or any uh, uh, community is interestingly on the amazon side or aws side it's it's the um, uh, reverse right in the sense it's kind of okay everybody uh, like I, I guess one of the tweets was summarizing it five years ago everybody comes to public cloud then you know hey we also have public cloud and we have this uh, vcloud kind of express eventually the the journey came down to we also have amazon outposts where you can have an on-prem uh, instance of aws cloud itself um, that's that also kind of shows the pattern where the as an industry we are understanding uh, combining these two uh, you know uh, where the kubernetes community is and where the public cloud providers uh, uh, mind, uh, thought process is around we are coming to realization that multi-cloud is the reality. There's not going to be one solution, one provider that's going to satisfy everybody's needs. And customers are at various levels of maturity, and we got to meet them where they are at, 
eventually taking them to uh, what what is beneficial what is what how are you define this digital transformation and goal is that's kind of what i um, i uh, observed and i would like to hear from you also not from just from the event perspective see where the industry is turning towards and do you agree or disagree with that um, observation yeah i think there's an interesting component here about you know software versus cloud or versus saas right because kubernetes is you know had this huge benefit over openstack because you could just run it in the cloud so people could write a install that went you know cops that went to amazon and installed in amazon and it took all of the variability out right you could use kubernetes and then all the cloud providers showed up and you know do it for you as a service kubernetes doesn't have nearly the same challenges you know as a cloud plot as a cloud service that you know something like OpenStack would have, but yet you know, what you just described is is Kubernetes being um, you know a, a software package again, something that people would in multiple places. Is that you know is that being held up by the complexity of trying to run it on premises or so, run it yourself? Uh, yes and no, right? I think I think if you if you look at uh, Kubernetes as just a software platform, you know you're talking more about okay. Uh, I don't need to run Kubernetes at all. I can probably use AKS or, you know, Fargate. Not, not exactly Fargate, but some kind of abstraction there where I will be just writing my code. I don't need to manage my Kubernetes cluster, uh, but I would just write at that abstraction that Kubernetes provides, right? Just continuous, uh, continuous applications. That's is that a possibility? And people are realizing that that is that is a lot easier. They don't have to worry about. Uh, my new pet, which is which is my cluster itself. However, you know, uh, before that EKS or uh, the the EKS EKS are at, at where they are at right now. Before at that level of abstraction came along, when when Kubernetes started, right? You know, people were all the providers jumped in and said, okay, you can. We will enable that. We will make sure that Kubernetes clusters can run on our our platform, our our cloud, so that customers have that interoperability. They, you you move your clusters around, right? That was the paradigm two years ago. That's, that was the goal. The API would create some, but you're not moving your clusters. You're you're setting up clusters in different places, and you're counting on containers and the Kubernetes API. <laughs> agreed, to agreed. Portable. I mean, uh, moving the clusters is not not the goal, but you 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 re you restart or you recreate your clusters, right? So in, in essence, you 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 want your your new pet is the cluster itself. However, you know. Uh, at scale, various various mismatches, various API differences. You you end up you, you it's like it's not the, it's not as easy to move your workload from your Kubernetes cluster running on uh, uh, AWS to GCP, right? And that's is that is that because of the Kubernetes changes, or is that because you know you as a developer have taken advantage of S3 buckets and Dynamo databases and you know all these other Components I agree. It's not pure just Kubernetes, right? I think, I think, and and you know, you really cannot. Uh, uh, if I'm having, let's let's take it back, right? And what is Kubernetes, and what is running on that, and and um, where do I, where, what is the supporting infrastructure for that? That I, I might have taken dependency on my underlying platform. On top of that, I also my applications don't run in vacuum; they will be tied to something else, and there I have my dependency on on the third provider. Which makes me very tied in to that provider, right? It, it's both ways, both ways. Um, 
like, just pausing for a moment, I think the conversations were like moving from. Uh, I think I think the the thought the the thing that I was referring to is if you look at the maturity of the platform itself, you know, um, lot when OpenStack days we spent a lot of time talking about how do we get the install correct, right? Like you know there was a lot of uh, uh, distributions, for example, to say okay we will make this installation in one click and things like that. Kubernetes did not spend that much time, and it just it was to begin with installation was easier. But however, you know, even then, it is not like there's a huge difference between what you have on your laptop to, you know, uh, your three-node clusters to your multiple nodes, multiple clusters. So what what are those challenges managing them? Those discussions were you know uh, more heard, and also along with, do you need to have that? Do can I just go a level above? like EKS or AKS, and then kind of abstract them away. So that was what I was referring to as, as, an, uh, as a message or, or, or as, as a, as a um, sentiment that I was seeing. Right, and I think that there's an interesting um, dilemma with, with this. You know, if you take advantage of all those services, it's going to accelerate you. And, and if you're using, you know, the, the, ser- the, the services provided Kubernetes, you're going to have easier integrations into all those platform pieces. I guess I keep hoping that we're going to see services as software products get spun up inside of Kubernetes as as a thing. So instead of needing an Amazon service for S3, I might use Rook inside of my Kubernetes cluster to provide a Ceph interface and and not become vendor locked in from that perspective. And, And and that, to me, is part of the promise of where Kubernetes is going. But it, we're certainly not there. It, it doesn't. It feels like we're we're so excited just to get Kubernetes running. We haven't. Yeah, really built we got the compute part right, and then what else? Right, like you know, what what else? My storage. What is my networking? What are my options? <clears throat> I, I see. Uh, I uh, you know, I kind of agree with your state on that one. I don't deny that we need to have abstractions or we need to have this uh, cloud native uh, uh, storage options uh, or cloud native. If you want to call that right, roof for example, rook for example, or portwax, whatnot. However, I wanna I wanna uh, move the conversation, or at least the way that I'm seeing it. I don't I wouldn't necessarily put that vendor lock in as my primary motivation there. The reason is I think we we over uh, overhyped that that promise of no vendor lock in. That's my personal take. Uh, being in that OpenStack community and seeing what's happening in Kubernetes community and in general watching customer patterns across multiple cloud uh, um, providers, lock-in is a reality, and and you know trying to move away from lock-in is you know is just living in a vacuum. I don't think an a, a, a decent, a, a respectable enterprise customer will be ever in a situation where. They are not locked into any particular thing. I mean, well, choosing choosing a platform like Kubernetes is locking into a platform like Kubernetes, and you know, and, and we've had a lot of conversations about just because it's open source software doesn't mean you're not paying a vendor to support it, right? You actually need to be paying into these communities. So, it you know, it's it's a question of why you're looking to Correct. avoid lock in. Um, I, I totally agree with that. That's a business decision. Um, and that is the that is the lens I would look at. You know, do I need to have like a root kind of solution, or is is, is my application going to be better served by that, or is it better for me to just call, put 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 use S3 natively, or you know, a, a different uh, from a different cloud provider, right? I think that 
that is probably the right decision to look from my application design perspective rather than saying oh by uh, by choosing s3 I, I i have the i have the risk of getting locked into amazon that is kind of uh, approaching the problem from a fear perspective rather than growth perspective um there are cases for where i would need um uh, you know rook for example or Portworx or any anything any it's just not, not the brand names right just 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 what kind of uh, what whatever the options are there i don't disagree and uh, that's probably where you know i think uh, uh, the space like edge could bring in or could necessitate such kind of solutions so I, I definitely want us to jump into edge before, before I want to, but I want to segue through service mesh for a minute because one, because you're, you're running an event for service mesh uh, and uh, about service meshes. And two, because I, I think that it's worth thinking about service mesh as part of this abstraction, right? It's, it's a bridge into edge. And so, yeah, do you want to, you want to, if you want to explain it, it sort of, you know, don't, you know, we like to skip the 101s and, and go to the 201s. <laughs> well, uh, that's, that's true. Yeah, yeah. At least, at least, um, but probably for a service mesh, you may have to stay at 101, uh, depending on uh, where the customer, the listeners are or the audience is at, right? And also some of the tools and some of the projects that enable that are still at 101 state, right? Istio, for example. Oh, the, the project, but the, use, but the use case. So why would somebody, you know, if I if I if I'm running Amazon, do I care about having a service mesh on top of the Kubernetes infrastructure? I think, or I think is that you know, all I think I, I I put it from a different perspective, right? You know, if I, if I'm all in Amazon, if 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 I'm all born in Amazon, for example, and I'm going to stay like that, probably very less. However, you know, that's not the vast majority of customers where they are at. We we still have on-prem infrastructures. We still have data centers. We still have legacy workloads. And the way that I see service mesh is kind of enabling some of the cloud native paradigms or cloud native premises to such workloads. How do I bring in more better observability? How do I uh, uh, provide additional security premises? How do, like in you know, approvable security models, for example, or how do I uh, control? Uh, how do I do a better traffic routing? And and uh, yes, I can always re-architect. I can rewrite. Uh, that's that's what we have been trying to do, and uh, we probably haven't even covered like ten percent of those workloads. We are realizing that some of them is not possible. We are realizing that the cost is too is, is it worth it? Is it just taking forever? Is there a repeatable pattern for that? Uh, is it an automated? I mean, I mean there are there are there's tons of uh, metrics there. Service mesh um, provides a promise where you know you probably don't have to rewrite them. However, by having some kind of a sidecar proxy or some kind of additional uh, thing that can stay with where you are, but provide me uh, a, a, an infrastructure, provide me a, a way to pro, to 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 uh, <clears throat> bring in additional observability, additional security, those kind of premises. So what we are trying, what Service Mesh Layer tries to do is kind of, in a way, connects meshes or builds the two different uh, extremes of these uh, uh, workloads, right? Cloud native, all in cloud workloads and the legacy workloads, but try to provide uh, the, 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 <clears throat> the promise of cloud native infrastructure to the uh, legacy workloads. That's the way I see that. And uh, we, are, we have various options. We have uh, all you know, on-prem options. We have all managed options on, uh, uh, you know, uh, managed Istio on GKE, for example, or App Mesh, 
uh, AWS, for example, um, or you know, you all on on on-prem based solutions, on Y, combination of on Y and Instio. Multiple ways to do that one. I guess uh, to answer your question, I think it depends on where your workloads are and, and what you're trying to do with them and how you're trying to connect them. I, but, and I also see that Service Mesh provides a way for, for people to innovate and extend, right? It, it becomes a new API integration point in your application, right? Because that lets you you know, put sidecars in or add additional components between your applications. It lets you monitor traffic. It lets you control egress. Um, I, you know, I think that when people think about Kubernetes, they have a very shallow view of it, you know, where they, where they think it does more than it does. It, it, it manages containers. It doesn't connect your networking. It doesn't, you know, do handle a lot of these other really Agreed. important I, things. I, I, I totally agree with you on that. Yes, that's right. I think I think the with Kubernetes there are two things, right? I think one either we got sidelined, uh, blindsided by oh I got this working and then you know this is what it I need, right? Or rather you know what what do you do with it? Like how can you monitor better? Kubernetes uh, <clears throat> is not the answer for everything, and that's when like you know you need to have these additional abstractions or additional. Uh, uh, um, Layers. So, with mesh provides a promise. I, I don't uh, definitely, uh, you know, that's that's where I think you know going. But also, I think there is there is a uh, there is also I want to clarify on one thing, right? But but you know, for someone who is cloud native, if I have everything like you know, um, uh, containerized, for example, I I kind of go by with that. Okay, I I got everything solved. I don't need to look further. I might be like you know fooling myself by thinking like that, and 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 that's. That's kind of what I call by blindsided, right? So uh, that's where you know how do I um, um, monitor monitor better, and also have this possibly of like you know this microservices explosion. If I have that, I just basically like you know uh, times end or, or, or you know uh, powered end of, of whatever I was trying to do with one service. I need to do everything for end time services now. Uh, is Kubernetes is not the right layer to provide those kind of additional. Uh, um, uh, probes, tools, if you want to call them. And this to me is what, what people don't think, you know, they think Kubernetes has solved this problem. They've, they've really exposed a whole other raft, raft of, um, <laughs> it's a funny use of the word raft in this case, but a raft of, of new, um, you know, new ways that we have to wire everything together. It, it really is creating a new ecosystem. And, and, and so tell us about, tell, you know, tell us when the event is, where it is, so I'm I'm co-organizing an event, uh, the first ever industry conference on service mesh technology. It's called Service Mesh Day. It's on March 28th and 29th. It is being hosted by Tetrate, a startup that's into the uh, that's that's into the uh, uh, service mesh for enterprises space. Um, it's a two-day event. The first day is full of workshops and hackathons, and second day is uh, you know uh, a lot of lot of high-quality content. We are hand curating. Uh, uh, luminaries also the CFP is open um, it's at Fairmont SFO and if your calendar is free we'd like to have you all there uh, please pl try planning on attending Service Mesh Day 2019 the URL is servicemeshday.com this, this is this is starting to feel like uh, 
the original KubeCon uh, when Joseph Jackson was putting it together. There, there that, is some the sense of deja vu there. Uh, we have, uh, you know, we have support from Kube, uh, Google and then uh, CNCF uh, is, is uh, supporting this as well. And we have uh, other sponsors like Juniper is, is a gold sponsor. And then we have support from OpenStack Foundation, Cloud Foundry Foundation, ONF. So it's going to be a great event. And I'm sure we are targeting about 250 to 300 people, which is being the inaugural event. But uh, this is definitely going to get larger. And uh, probably be sub, you know, maybe it will make sense to uh, align it, uh, co-host it, or uh, plan that with along with a larger conference like KubeCon going forward. Uh, but this is definitely exciting. Yeah. Excellent. And and it's this is service meshes are really um, important, but I think you know not as well understood. It's gonna you know when it's it's not that hard to containerize something and run it. Uh, you know, service mesh is much more a production technology, and so you you have to think through what those use cases are, and that which sort of brings us to edge because I mean edge is one of these funny things. It's it's we we don't necessarily frame it this way, but a lot of it's much more around operational concerns than just writing an application, um, right? Because what what you're what we're talking. So I'm I'm gonna. I'm going to fast forward a little bit so that we can talk about some of the deeper pieces and how Kubernetes or service mesh or, or, or the challenges that you see. If, if I'm talking about an edge distri uh, distributed edge application, right? I've already got some data source. I've got something that's happening on the edge. I'm trying to create an application for it, but this isn't just like installing running, you know, software on a, in a home user for a game. You're actually trying to create some inter integrated applications, some interactions with a thing. Um, and you're trying to do it in multiple locations. By definition, it's a multi-distributed thing where it's code has to run in a lot of places. Data has to come from a lot of places. It's it's a very different data center environment than we're used to. <clears throat> oh, yes, totally. I think, you know, uh, uh, yes, totally. So there are a couple of things, right? I think what we kind of uh, uh, quite... As and when this we, we move to a certain level, we, we innovate at a certain level, that level of innovation provides a more better abstraction that kind of opens up different kind of challenges. It's kind of we go, go and above, right? So um, to your point, like Kubernetes, for example, made the containerization easier, being able to run these containerized applications easier, but thereby, you know, I can, I can, I can spin up microservices. But then I, I ended up having the problem of, okay, how do I monitor this? Like, what's, how do I, you know, manage these tons of services, right? Then we are looking at this, uh, um, uh, Service mesh layer, for example. Similarly, for edge, right? I think you know, um, uh, we 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 are at a we are at a, we, we are at a place where, like you know, uh, <clears throat> tons of tons of use cases require a tremendous amount of computation, tremendous amount of analytics at 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 end user locations, and uh, and you know. Whether it is you know it's at a at a game whether you know my game server or it could be like you know the 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 half of talking uh, a spoken use case of like a windmill turbine and whatnot right but where do why did we get there that's possibly because of like a lot of things happening uh, and you know being that is enabling providing us the right level of abstraction which which enables us to look at a different lens and you know possibly solve that in a better way uh, edge is following the same pattern. And we are at a place where we are able to uh, bring in uh, a tons of computation towards at, 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 at a very small form factor, if you want to call that. And and thereby, you know, okay, hey, we have this use case here. We haven't been able to solve that so far. We are able to do that. And 
does this create a place where people are going to just assume that I have a you know, Kubernetes platform running at the edge and I'm going to deliver my edge application as a as kubectl or a helm chart and and that's that's delivery how you know because there's nothing in kubernetes at all that says oh i'm managing this application in 100 locations or 1000 locations um you've you're you know we're we're somebody's going to write have to write a federation model that says okay i'm going to push it here and it's going to update everywhere uh, totally. I think not only that, I think, see, let's kind of step back, right? When we try to approach the problem, we, we, we in general, as human beings, we try to approach with what we know already, right? It, sometimes, sometimes it helps. Sometimes it helps to bring in a different kind of uh, thought process. Sometimes we might learn while trying to approach, uh, oh, okay, maybe I should do a better way, right? Uh, <clears throat> the federation concept, as far as I understand, or so the idea, the, the, the need for federation, or at least uh, how do we solve the co- uh, need for federation across these multiple edge locations or edge, the data centers? Um, at least from the Kubernetes point of view, we are not. We, I haven't seen them talking much about it or working much about it. Maybe you know, uh, yeah. At least I didn't hear much about that. Right? There was a uh, in during OpenStack in the OpenStack community, federation was a well thought, well talked about uh, um, uh, point. With Kubernetes, there was the concept of federating the identities between um, <clears throat> multiple uh, locations. How do we federate this? It's still, I would say, it's, maybe if you can correct me if I'm wrong, but. Uh... Well, this is, I, and I would love to see otherwise. When I'm watching, because I, I watch the OpenStack, where, where Rackin's a member of the LF Edge stuff, which is so new, it's, it's hard to even describe. We did a nice podcast about it uh, a couple of weeks ago. But um, when when we talk about um, like OpenStack, there's a lot of chatter. They're trying to federate um, Keystone, which is the authentication, and is sort of designed for for federated users, where you can have a user as one identity across multiple cloud providers. But OpenStack itself is no federation concept at all. That's Completely. Maybe we should define federation. Do you want to take a crack? I, I, I agree. Federation? I think I think I, I agree with you on that one. Let's step back, and I think uh, probably uh, you know talking. Let's step like, edge itself. Depending on you, you probably need to go with how do you define edge to begin with, right? And people, de- uh, de- depending on whom do you talk to, they could they could refer to the uh, the location. They could refer to like you know the the network or the the wireless connectivity or, or communication protocol. Sure, but but you have a mini cloud. Are you a mini cloud believer? Are you a edge as a mini cloud <laughs> believer? No, uh, a... but but I I I, uh, I wouldn't say I'm a believer of that. But I am. Uh, I I would say like you know I can understand the sentiments of people who call or who would try to call a mini cloud as edge, right? Uh, I don't, I don't, um, I can see where they're coming from and maybe you can call me as a sympathizer of that sentiment, but I, I, you are, you, what you're talking is, what you're saying is a valid thing, but I think you are kind of one step ahead uh, in, in bringing the concept of federation here. Maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but, but probably I'm looking at more from a, from, <clears throat> from a, from a, a cloud provider point of view rather than, you know, uh, we 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 are still as an industry uh, probably we are still debating like what is a good good age, uh, use case, what is a good way to solve that use case at the edge 
or, or the the workload at the edge and you are saying okay yes we have that and we know that we have identified those kind of workloads are there but not only that these kind of workloads are better served if you have a better mechanism of delivering this uh, this uh, uh, the applications to these edge locations through this federated way so i want to i want to hear from you and you know it's definitely you are thinking ahead of me on that one and ahead of most of us so please talk to me a little bit more on that and and sure yeah no this is so feder i mean so what what we're starting federation has become the word of the quarter um word of the week for me um and it means very narrowly i have an autonomous site that works with other sites in a way that lets you have mm -hmm. centralized control and visibility without compromising edge autonomy, right? So uh, in, the, in the United States, we have uh, states govern themselves, but then there's an overlying federal system. And generally the rules should be, are that the, the local control is preempts the, the, the federal control unless there's some, some need to make a change. Um, and, and so the thing that I've seen is that all the tools we've built Kubernetes, OpenStack, you know, uh, the classic DevOps control tools are single data center type of things. They, they scale up to a couple of, of sites, maybe. Um, and then, then they're not designed to say, oh, wait a second, I have a global policy that I need to implement and it has to be rolled out in a controlled way across thousands of distributed sites, each one of those sites operating autonomously. Um, Right. This would be, so you know in an edge case, I would write an application to collect data from my thermostats across you know hundred thousand houses, and I would say, all right, I'm going to count on there being a Kubernetes cluster within you know a couple of milliseconds of that that device that I can then have a high interaction, high high latency or low latency interaction with. I, if I'm going to fix that application, which I'm I'm going to roll it out you know daily, weekly, whatever. Uh, I'm going to have to then coordinate activities across all of these sites. Um, and the thing that I've, I've been seeing, and I think Stephen, I've heard on a lot of these podcasts is people aren't waiting around for OpenStack or Kubernetes or, you know, company to define a platform that lets them do that. They're just doing it for themselves, for their application in the, in, in the places they need it to be. The, what I would call the patchwork edge. The patchwork edge. Is that new? That's the, uh, this is a new term coming out. This is, and we'll have to bring Mark Teeley and I. Teeley and I have been talking about it, that. A is bit. the Patrick Edge the cliff? Guys, I do need to stop. We we do try to keep them around 30 minutes. We went over, but Claudon, it is so much fun to have you. And, and I know that we don't attend as many events. We used to see you all the time. Uh, any places coming up, uh, bring up that conference again you're helping to put together in the next month or two that uh, some of our listeners may find you. And if you do, uh, if you are at an event where Sharam is there, I highly recommend reaching out to him and you know, you can always take him out to lunch or something, but uh, bribing him will work. But I never said that publicly <laughs> at all. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. Uh, just one call again. I think service, please check out service, service mesh day .com. Uh, The service mesh day 2019 is on March 28th and 29th. We also have a diversity scholarships open where we are providing free full access passes for up to, 20, up to 30 people who identified themselves as uh, from uh, underrepresented minorities. Please do check out and we'd love to have you there. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Rob. It was fun as usual.